This is The Picnic Pod with Georgia and Alex. Your diet and your health isn't just about what you put in your mouth. It's also how you think about food, how you perceive food, the shame, the guilt, the resentment, the, the hate or whatever that comes along with food. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode. <laughs> Before we get stuck in, we have a big episode today. It's very exciting. We are just going to do a quick catch up. So what have you been up to, Georgia? This week's been really good, actually, the last few days. Um, we've just had Easter by the, at the time of the recording. So mm-hmm. uh had lots of food. I've spent lots of time at the beach, which um, I feel like anyone on my Instagram story is probably sick of me posting photos of beach. So sorry about that. But it's just been the most beautiful weather. Um, and I've been actually starting to get ready because I'm moving house again. <laughs> So I've just started culling out some more clothes and cleaning up because I feel like I just do not need as much stuff that I hold on to. Um, and then, yeah, getting, sorry, getting back into surfing, which has, been, which has been really, really fun. I love it, but I just have this weird thing that I can only go with other people. So, yeah, I waited for some people to come up. <laughs> But no, I should go out more often by myself. I just, I don't know. I've got this weird, like, well, actually, I don't know what it is. It's just, yeah, I don't want people to watch me just when I'm not with anyone. Social else. anxiety. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, but it's That's so okay. fun. Um, yeah, so loving getting back into that. But yeah, overall, I've, I've had no real complaints. It's been quite nice to have a break before our next blocker placement starts next week. So I'm uh, enjoying the time off. Yes, yes, yes. Very exciting. What about you, darling? Um, this week I have not done a whole lot because <laughs> I'm not working because I don't have any shifts. But that's mm. fine. Um, I've just been. It's been a good week, still actually. Been just doing little bits and bobs, cleaning the house. Um. Easter was fun. Just been chilling, really, but it's been nice. Been a nice break. Good. Oh. Just took the doggies for a walk this morning. Saw the baby cows. <laughs> oh, I can't believe the morning I had. <laughs> yeah. Just so everyone knows, like this is um you'll know from the title, but we had an amazing guest on today, and for some reason, even though I'm normally quite good with knowing what time things are on (laughs) I was at the beach this morning with my brother just chilling going for a surf and then I was in communication with Alex because we had this interview coming up and for some reason I thought it was at four o'clock rather than 11. (laughs) Meanwhile I'm like stressing like we need to organize things (laughs) and Georgia's like you're into surfing I could not even sense the panic from Alex's messages. She was just like, okay, like when, and then I told her I was on my way home. Oh, it was just, I don't need to go into it, but that was a bit of a funny morning that probably no one cares about. But anyway, (laughs) do you have any recommendations for this week? I do have a recommendation of the week. It's a bit different because it's not really like a product or food or anything. But this week, I went and got my very first skin check. Ah, that's a great recommendation. 
So my recommendation of the week is to book in for a skin check. Mm, I need to do because that. Because it's something that I put off for, literally, I would say I've probably been telling myself for the past like two years, like on like, you know, like a fortnightly basis. Oh yeah, I need to book a skin check. Oh yeah, I need to book a skin check. And then I just literally would never book a skin check. Mm. But I did it a few weeks back, um, literally so easy. My doctor uses that hot doc app. So I literally could just book it on my phone in like two seconds. Mm. Um, and yeah, I went and got it done and it was really good. It wasn't that like, I mean, it was, you know, like 20 minutes or whatever, but like, you know, it wasn't like it was so much big out of my day that it was an inconvenience. Not mm. that anything like that, your health is important. It's never an inconvenience. Correct. But it was just really good. Now I'm like, yes, I did it. Now I'm not stressing about it, you know, because it was always in the back of my mind. Well so done. that's my recommendation. I love that. I yeah. really need to book in a skin check as well. I'm I'm very good with sunscreen and stuff. That's something that I am uh, yeah. well, have worked on for a couple of years now and I'm very used to now applying it very regularly which has been very important living on the coast here and going to the beach nearly every day I think I would be a walking melanoma if I didn't so um yeah yeah very important I'm glad you brought that up my recommendation I feel like we always have really polar opposite <laughs> mine is signing up to a relish member for grilled <laughs> Um, if you're like me, I love that restaurant, I guess you call it. Um, and it was really exciting yesterday because I was able to claim my free burger because I I think when you eat eight burgers or you buy eight, you get a free one. (laughs) So, yeah, it's kind of a lot of money to get a free thing, but it's very exciting when you get a freebie. They also have like good deals, like on there as well, like just like general deals. Yeah, yeah, they have. I want to try find it now. Um, if you're a student, I think you get like a free drink. And then um, Mondays they have like the meat-free burgers. Like they have all these cool deals, which, I mean, I frequently go to um, grilled. I just love it. I think it's so such a yummy, like nothing beats the herbed mayo and the, the chip. Do you agree? Mm. No, you're mm, you're more of a tomato relish gal. Oh, yeah, but the herbed mayo, I think they put on – one of the burgers I guess it's divine but yeah that is my recommendation everyone should sign up because it's great it's just so fun and we love a bit of grilled so yay that's my recommendation (laughs) today as we said was a really exciting episode for us it was actually the first time we have had a guest on and done an interview so as you can imagine Alex and I well Alex was more stressed than I was because I was just (laughs) in a bit of a daze on the beach (gasps) Um, but no, it was, uh, really interesting for us, even though we are clearly like as student dietitians, um, sorry, I haven't even introduced who we have on. We had Alice Bleasman on, who is a, well, an online dietitian and nutritionist. She also has a podcast and then does lots of content creation online. But yeah, Alex and I have actually looked up to her for a few years now and followed her online. Yeah. I think Alice was one of the first, um, like dietitians that I started following on Instagram. Yeah. If not the first. I think her and like Rachel Hawkins and Marie Day oh, wow. were probably like my first dietitians that I followed. So it was there really cool. Go. 
yeah and um it was just a really good learning experience for both of us despite um you know we knew a bit about what she does and the topics that we spoke about but as Alex said in the episode it was just really cool to gain her perspective on how to phrase things and how to explain certain um things as well so it was really really cool and thank you to those people who sent in some questions super last minute on her story um we did get her to answer what you guys had asked so yeah I think everyone will enjoy this no matter what kind of your background is or um what we talk about I think it was a really beneficial episode for everyone and you'll probably learn something new which is great yeah it was really interesting and really fun and it's just really exciting in general that we had our first guest I know and actually just because we're starting a whole guest interview kind of process if you guys have any suggestions on who you'd like mm. us to invite onto the podcast we are completely open to your ideas so please message us on our Instagram or in the Facebook group you know where we are now um please do that because yeah we are on the hunt for some new guests and yeah and they don't have some... to be diet as I said they don't have to be like dietitians or no. nutritionists or anything it can be anyone that you would like to hear mm. from yeah we've got some really we've already got some um people lined up after Alice which is really cool um so yeah stay tuned for that but let, let's get into the episode and please enjoy Hey everyone, we just wanted to give a trigger warning as this episode does discuss eating disorders. If you are sensitive to this or would prefer to not tune in this week to this episode, that's totally okay. We strongly encourage you to check out the Butterfly Foundation website as this is a really helpful resource. If you're otherwise keen to keep listening, here's the episode. Well, today we've got the lovely Alice Bleethman joining us. Um, so nice of you to join us today, <laughs> Alice. Thank you so much. Um, we really wanted to get you on because we both really value your Instagram content um, and all your other stuff that you're doing. It's really inspiring to both of us. We're student dietitians, so it's really awesome to see you killing it, really. Um, mm -hmm. And we know that you're really passionate about a few different areas of dietetics, but we've really liked your emotional eating or building a relationship with food that's really healthy. Um, and that's really stood out to us. So that's why we brought you on today. And yeah, we're just going to ask you heaps of questions, fire them away at you. Um, but yeah, feel free to jump in whenever you want and provide any sort of expertise that you have. Absolutely. Let's do it. I love it. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, at the beginning of each of our episodes, we actually usually say a bit of a recommendation. Did you have anything that you've come across recently that yeah. you could recommend to our audience? I actually do. Um, so I'm a big book reader. Love it, love it, love it. Have so many books. And I'm <clears throat> actually going around Australia in a few weeks in a van. Oh, and wow. Yeah, so exciting. And um, I was like, well, what do I do with all my books? Like, and how do I bring books along the road and so I bought a Kindle and it's been the best investment I've ever made in my life I can't believe I haven't done it sooner like you just buy books and it's on there and you can choose like what book you read when you're on the Kindle I was like this is so epic I don't have to take three books to the to the book now I just take one and it's, it's so yeah highly recommend they're a bit expensive like 200 and something dollars but totally worth it like books mm. are so expensive at ATM like they're like 40 dollars or something so if you can get a Kindle yeah, the books are so much cheaper on the Kindle. Yeah. I have one. Yeah. It definitely, yeah, if you're getting three books, it pays itself off easily. It yeah, yeah. So that's my recommendation. Oh, thanks. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. I kind of joke about it um, with Alex because I unfortunately don't really read a lot of books. It's something that I 
want to get into. Yeah. Um, but I've seen a few people recommend the Kindle. So that's a great recommendation. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, all right. Well, just to start off, in case people don't know you, Alice, could you just give us a bit of a wrap up around how you kind of got to where you are today yeah. um, and your sort of journey? Of course. Um, so I, well, I grew up in Tassie and when I was um, 18, I did a big gap year around Europe. And it's actually interesting. I always wanted to do medicine and study to be a doctor. And in hindsight, I think it was because my family were like, oh, you're smart enough. Like you should do medicine. Like, oh, you, you know, you'll get the ATAR. And I went to like this kind of private school uh, for year 11 and 12. And it's very much like, you know, engineer, doctor, or nothing mm. and I was like okay like okay so I'll do medicine so I went on my gap year knowing that I you know go back and be be studying medicine and I got back and I was like nah this is not what I want to do like I do not want to do this and I applied for a scholarship to Deakin University in Melbourne and I got that thankfully so I went to Deakin and studied uh, nutrition and dietetics which was four and a half years and then just after, or just before I finished, so on my final block of placement, which was the, uh, I think it was, yeah, so it was the hospital clinical placement. Uh, I was at the mm-hmm. Peter McCallan Hospital, the oncology hospital, and that's when COVID sort of started to show its head. So we were really stressed, all of us students, because we didn't know really what was going to happen. And long story short, thankfully we finished placement, but I was like, I need to get out of Melbourne because mm. it's going to lock down and like, I don't want to be in here. <laughs> like, so yeah. and I was in Melbourne at the time, like tested this, like it was really stressful and they went through like months of lockdown. <clears throat> and thankfully I was volunteering with somebody in Sydney at the time, just helping out with some online things. And the person offered me a job in Sydney and I'd never been to Sydney before, but I was like, well, it's better than Melbourne. And yeah. I, I love the beach. I love kind of surfing and coastal life. So I was like, this is going to be cool. I'll go there. So I drove my little, you know, like <laughs> to Sydney with like everything in the back of me, if of my car and um, moved to Sydney uh, without knowing one person. And I lived in Cronulla, um, did that job with that dietitian for, I think it was, so it was part-time for six months and then I did contract to work there for six months. And then COVID was still happening at this time and it was kind of coming in peaks and troughs. And then I just decided one day, I was like, I think I can start my own business. And I think it was a bit of naivety at first because I didn't know what actually involved, but I thought, you know, why not give it a shot? And I've always been somebody who is kind of intrinsically motivated. I always wanted to have that flexibility when with my lifestyle. I'm yeah. not one to be wanting to be into like hospital or needing to go to nine mm. to five every day it just kind of really wigs me out to be honest so yeah. <laughs> like let's see what happens and everything was online at the time so I just kind of basically put all my business online and then yeah it's been almost two years now since I started my business um, and I yeah I see clients um, online so I work with a lot of women and girls but also some men who are struggling with eating disorders disordered eating um, also irritable bowel syndrome and other functional gut disorders and then mm-hmm. as well just like healthy eating um, yeah. ensuring you know um, some people in terms of like PCOS and endometriosis that their diet is supportive reducing inflammation so yeah, it's really cool. And then um, I also do some social media work as well and run my own podcast with one of my good mates and yeah, just other few bits of pieces. So yeah. things, but that's what I really enjoy about 
doing what I do is like the amount of flexibility and variety that comes with it um, because I'm, yeah, I don't really like doing one thing and one thing only. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I think that's super interesting just to see. You only said you started your business about two years ago. You yeah. wouldn't really think that. You'd think you've been doing this for ages. So, oh. yeah, credit, credit <laughs> to you. you you're, yeah, Absolutely. really really awesome what you're doing and I listen to your podcast and I'm a huge fan so oh thank you yeah you're doing great <laughs> yeah yeah it's um it's so much fun we've always wanted to do something like that so we'll see whether whether where it takes us but um yeah as you know like it's so nice to be able to have conversations with different people and about yeah. different topics and if anything it's just such a personal kind of growth element to my business and my career I love it well, my first question kind of links to how you were talking about the kind of um, patients that you see in your business. Yeah. So in terms of like disordered eating, so we know that um, people that, you know, have that um, issue with the emotional eating and maybe disordered eating doesn't necessarily mean that they will actually have an eating disorder per se. Um, so can you talk us through like what the difference is between kind of actually having that eating disorder or just having the disordered eating patterns? Yeah, really good question. So I guess like it's important to define firstly, like what kind of normal eating is. Yeah. Um, and as a bit of a caveat, every person's eating behaviors are very unique to them. So there's no kind of universal definition of what normal eating is. Um, but Many people who I guess you could say are non-disordered eaters um, emphasize this whole idea of like eating to meet your needs, so your body's needs, physical needs and emotional needs, and not spending this disproportionate amount of time thinking or obsessing or stressing about food. So in that sense then, in that vein, then a person who's struggling with disordered eating would find maybe a little bit of shame or guilt or be obsessively thinking about food a lot of the time, but they're not in a, to a point where they are necessarily kind of diagnosed within this really niche diagnostic criteria of an eating disorder. So in a way, I kind of look at it like it's a bit of a spectrum. So you've got your normal relationship with food or healthy relationship with food on the left and then eating disorder on the right. And the middle kind of area is that disordered eating where it's influencing your well-being, your quality of life, where it's occupying your time, but it's not to a point where it's a mental illness, which is an eating disorder. Um, I guess then in saying that, people who have an eating disorder exhibit disordered eating patterns, but people who have disordered eating don't exhibit eating disorder um, qualities yeah. necessarily. Does that mm. kind of make sense? Yeah, yeah that's a really good, good answer. <laughs> I guess then from that, what are some key signs or indicators that maybe our relationship with food isn't so good or, yeah, unhealthy? Yeah, so I think the first thing is whether you feel a little bit of anxiety, sh shame or guilt around eating, eating certain foods, eating at certain times, eating certain amounts, whether you, for example, have a lot of time that's occupied within yourself in terms of food and thinking about food a lot of the time, preempting scenarios where there's going to be food. I would say that those are big, big signs that your relationship with food isn't great. Also mm. chronic dieting, you know, I think that we normalize dieting these days, but it's not normal to diet. It's not normal necessarily to count calories and to be restricting and to be aiming for weight loss or weight changes or, you know, aesthetic goals all the time. So mm. technically that is disordered eating because it's outside of what is classed as normal eating so mm -hmm. I would say that are the big kind of amber flags um, that 
can kind of spark um, disordered eating tendencies and maybe even eating disorders down the track if it's not looked after. Yeah. Um, and so when we're talking about like those disordered eating patterns, I know a lot of it can be um, triggered by um, like emotional things. Yeah. So can you tell us, like walk us through what the difference is between actual physical hunger and then that emotional eating, just eating, um, yeah, because of your emotions? Mm-hmm. So when we talk about emotional eating, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Like everyone emotionally eats to an extent, right? You eat at a birthday party because you're happy. Maybe you've just broken up with your partner and you're just like so sad. You just eat a you know, tub of ice cream and <laughs> it's not necessarily that bad. And more often than not, it's quite benign. But when we're thinking about emotional eating, when it becomes to a point where it's influencing your well-being, whether it's taking part in terms of, you know, um, I guess you could say like hindering your health or whether it's paired with a lot of guilt and shame, that's when emotional eating may, may be something to work through as well. The thing with emotional eating is if it's kind of something that is undertaking a lot of the time, then the thing that I would question is what emotions are you trying to suppress that is leading you to turn to food? Um, so I guess like, I just sort of want to kind of describe what emotional eating is. And then if we think about it like that, then more often than not, there's a difference between physical eating and emotional eating. So physical eating is like, sorry, sorry, I'm going to reframe that physical hunger is, um, a hunger that comes upon, uh, quite slowly or gradually, and it can wait. Um, whereas emotional hunger is, it comes on really quickly. So the urge is really quick. The impulse is really quick to eat. Um, and it needs to be sort of satisfied really quickly as well. Like if Mm. you're super stressed, it's like, it comes on really quickly and you're like, Oh, I need chocolate right now. Um, whereas Mm. if you're physically hungry, it's like, Oh, it's lunchtime. I can wait half an hour. Um, the other thing that is a difference between emotional hunger and physical hunger is that physical hunger, you're open to a wider array of different foods that will satisfy you. So at lunchtime, you might have a salad, you might have a sandwich, you might have a soup. And it's kind of like, it all sort of satisfies you because you're physically hungry. Whereas emotional hunger, you could have a salad, you could have a soup, you could have a sandwich. And you're like, that's not going to satisfy me. I need a block of chocolate or I need some ice cream or hot chips or a burger. Mm. Um, The last thing as well is um, more often than not, when you're emotionally eating or when you're emotionally hungry, you could have a plethora of different foods and quite large amounts and it not satisfy you because you're eating outside of physical hunger. Whereas physical hunger, you stop when you're full more often than not. That was great. That was a really <laughs> good description. <laughs> Thank you. So I guess from your perspective, you see clients all the time about this. What yeah. have you found to be the best way that people can make a shift to having that relationship with food that is healthy so I think the first thing I would often like if I can't if I see a client and they come to me and they come my relationship with food is quite poor the first thing I would do is like explore what that actually means like what that actually looks like for them are Mm. they binging overeating are they restricting do they feel like they don't know what to believe anymore because that's going to be really really important in determining the thing that we do next so some more often than not, there are maybe rules or ideals or morales placed upon foods that maybe have been based from social media or family or beliefs that have stemmed from whatever. Um, so it's definitely important to challenge those ideas. So maybe, for example, if someone came to me and they're like, yeah, I don't eat carbohydrates because they make me put on weight, 
then we'd approach it with a lot of curiosity and compassion and go, okay, what is it about carbohydrates that make you feel like you're going to put on weight? And then they go, okay, well, like, you know, I read this thing on Instagram two years ago and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay, like, let's explore this together. So it's not like, no, you're wrong, eat them. It's like, what's going on here and how can we explain this and how can we actually logically rationalize that eating carbohydrates is okay. Um, Then as well, a lot of the time, especially with the women I see, body image concerns come in um, and it's very important to approach them because at the end of the day, if somebody is afraid to say put on weight or to attempt to trial something that they feel maybe they've deemed as bad or results in their weight gain, then we need to explore body image concerns because it's always going to be a concern of theirs regardless of whether they have the food or not. And so with the practice that I do, it's, you know, looking at <clears throat> and approaching um their values in particular and what they put energy into and what i mean by that is if for example you think about the things that you value in your life if somebody is struggling with a eating disorder or disorder relationship with food you spend a lot of time on food body exercise so then we, we what we do is do a bit of a um I guess, an exploration or a brainstorm into other things that they value and showing that there's life outside of that and finding purpose in other means. So that could be family, it could be friends, it could be nature, it could be their dog, it could be volunteering for a a homeless shelter, like anything like that. Because when you actually have other elements to put your energy into, then if you think about like a pie chart, those little segments get a little bit smaller as the other ones Mm. fill up. Yeah. Um, But yeah, when it comes to body as well, it's actually working through um, techniques such as reducing body checking, such as finding ways to, you know, wear clothes that make you feel good, not necessarily clothes that make you feel like you should wear. There's lots of different things which you can go into at another date. But um, yeah, it's really the first thing is always exploring. I always feel Mm. like exploring it rather than just telling the person who's so important because once you explore and understand, then it's so much easier to receive that information because you're like, oh, this makes sense now. Yeah. Um, adding to that, like, you know, being able to recognize that you might have that um, kind of those disordered eating habits. Yeah. Um, I know one way that I've seen like a lot of dietitians talk about being able to not necessarily fix, but, you know, work towards bettering that relationship with food um is to kind of try and focus on that mindful eating um so I just wanted to know what your thoughts were on mindful eating and if you could kind of explain what it was to everyone and how they could start to work towards mindful eating because I mean I think even if you don't have those disordered eating habits like everyone should try and include mindful eating into their life um but yeah what are your thoughts on mindful eating yeah Love it. Absolutely love it. So mindful eating is a practice where you eat mostly without distraction. So it reduces many sensory, um, I guess, input from other things outside of the food. So for example, if you're eating and you're watching YouTube and you're listening to the radio, there's so much going on. And so what happens is you might eat, but you're not actually concentrating. And so you get to the end of the meal and you're like, well, I'm not satisfied. Like I haven't eaten anything. So then you eat more or you just feel unsatisfied. So you eat chocolate because you know that satisfies you you know, emotionally or whatever. Mindful eating is key when it comes to improving your relationship with foods. I see this time and time again, where 
women and men, they might, for example, fear certain foods. And so they kind of distract themselves while eating, but that's really just just sort of distracting from the issue itself. And so actually being able to practice being present and appreciate the food that's there outside of, you know, metrics or calories or anything, and actually looking at the food as it stands and experiencing that wonderful flavor, taste, texture, that is so important when it comes to improving your relationship with food. But even still, even if you didn't have a poor relationship with food, slowing down, chewing your food, being mindful is so important to actually improve the satisfaction of that meal, to improve digestion and to improve essentially your ability to check in with your hunger and your fullness, which is a whole nother element in itself. Yeah. If we want to get into the physiology stuff, we yeah. can talk really science yeah. about it. But yeah, yeah I um yeah, we obviously have a key interest in this being student dietitians, but yeah. I think mindful eating is something that we hear about, but until people really actually, like I know personally, if I have lunch, I often am always on my phone and I have to even be like, George, you're not yeah. even thinking about what you're eating right now. And then when I am very present with that bowl of food or whatever I'm eating, I feel a lot better. I'm like, wow, this is actually really nice. I'm eating yeah. these really nice vegetables. Like you're just so much more present with it. And I know that seems so, like I feel like this whole notion of being pre- present is talked about so much, but it is so true. I think um, for anyone, to, if anyone's listening to this episode that doesn't think they have a poor relationship with food, to get something out of it would just be to really slow down and mindfully eat. Because as you say, Alice, there's so many benefits to it, regardless of that whole relationship with food context. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And something that I would recommend, like, because it can be quite overwhelming when, you know, <clears throat> if I say like, okay, like let's mindfully eat, like mm. that's really overwhelming for a lot of people. And, I, you know, I, I completely understand, very valid. And so what I usually say is choose one meal or one snack every day that you eat mindfully. You know, that could be breakfast, that could be lunch, that could be recess, whatever it is, but make sure it's one a day, same one, whatever, different one, it doesn't matter. What might happen then is we know about habits, the more it's rewarding, the more you're likely to do it. So we do it then we go, wow, I've really enjoyed that lunch so much more than I usually do. I'm going to do it again and again and again. And then all of a sudden you're building that muscle, that mindful muscle. And so it's so much easier to do it, you know, for other meals or other snacks along, along the day and along the week. It's not always possible to be mindful at every single meal. It's absolutely not realistic to be mindful at every single meal. Sometimes life gets in the way. But if you are and if you build that ability, capacity to be, you will not want, you're like, yeah, you won't know yourself. It's the best thing to do. Mm. Yeah, I also found, I just thought of this question um, when you were talking about mindful eating, but also those red or amber flags that you were stating around relationship with food I know um just in the context of like young people um often social eating can be quite anxiety inducing do you have any tips around that like if people feel really anxious around eating in front of other people how they can really yeah it's it's a really tough thing so if we think about um the there's a certain acronym um when it comes to eating disorders that um is kind of like a nice little uh i guess you could say structure in recovery through eating disorder and that is the acronym raves so regularity adequate eating variety eating socially and spontaneity um those are all the things that we want to achieve when we are recovering from an eating disorder so eating socially is 
huge and it's such a big big pain point for a lot of people there's lots of reasons being maybe you're eating obviously with different people maybe you fear what people will think of you but then also you might be eating different foods because you're out for dinner at different times different amounts so lots of different elements and variables that come to that something that I would recommend is start small so if you're really worried about eating socially maybe start maybe going to the restaurant that you know you've been to before and you really enjoy a certain food there. Maybe go with one friend that knows about your story, knows about your history, is very compassionate and kind in that scenario. And then start exploring it a little bit more. Maybe start having ice creams out or challenging certain foods out. But I would say that don't try to change, challenge everything at once. So if eating socially is stressful for you, don't then have to challenge a burger that you haven't had in five years because you're worried about that. And also don't bring your auntie who always comments on your weight. And also don't, you know, go at a time that is two hours later than your usual meals because that's a lot of stuff. So yeah. try your best to just start small and grow from that. Um, and then also, you know, offer yourself a lot of compassion and, and reminding yourself that more often than not, we are more interested in what we are eating than everybody else in that room. And when we're struggling with the eating disorder, if we go back to the values, we focus a lot on that, but not everyone does that. Not really anyone cares about what you're eating. And so just reminding yourself that it might feel like everyone's looking at you, but they're not, and it's okay. And you're there to enjoy the scenario, enjoy the social occasion, enjoy your friendships, your family, whatever. The food is an addition and it's just that. It's not the sort of, I guess, the whole um, main event. Do you have any um, tips or do you tell your clients what to say if someone does persistently tell, or, you know, for example, like the auntie that always comments on their weight or how much they're eating, do you kind of tell your clients oh, this is how you could approach that or what to say back to them? Or is, I mean, I, I definitely understand it would be quite personalised to every single person. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, in, in a general sense, when people are feeling like there's either one or two people that are constantly making comments about their food um, or, you know, how much they're eating, do you have any tips on how people can really um, mm. respond to that? <laughs> it's really difficult. Uh, it's it's really frustrating as well because when we are recovering from an eating disorder or disordered eating patterns, we're kind of recovering in a fuck. Like, sorry to swear, but like we're kind of recovering <laughs> in a like a very disordered world. Like you're basically yeah. trying to challenge your ideals and the ideals of every single other person around you, and yeah. so when you are recovering from an eating disorder, you're kind of challenging that and your auntie and this and this because it's very overwhelming because you're already doubting yourself and then there's all these other influences Mm. around you I would suggest firstly um if there are moments like do whatever feels comfortable to you so for example if your auntie let's call her Karen for the sake of argument comes up (laughs) to you and goes like oh you're looking like a lot more I don't know let's like um oh you're looking well I don't know whatever the comment is it makes you feel uncomfortable right you can go thank you for the comment. That was unnecessary. Walk away. You can go, can you please not say that? Or I don't think that's necessary. Or you can actually have a full on conversation. At the end of the day, unfortunately, in those scenarios, sometimes people don't receive the information positively or the feedback positively that you might show them. And it's not up to you to change their mind, but Mm -hmm. it's up to you to protect yourself. 
knowing that more often than not, people don't say things from malicious, malicious intent, but they are somewhat disordered by social media or the environment around us, particularly the older generation growing up in lots of um, diet culture and not really having the capacity to analytically challenge that or analyze that very well. I think that our generation is a lot better at that, knowing what we do know about diet culture, about eating disorders and disordered eating. But honestly, I don't really know the best answer for this. And I say this to my clients, like it's whatever feels comfortable for you right now. And reminding yourself that if that feels uncomfortable, if there's always people around you commenting on things, maybe you're not surrounding yourself with the correct people. And maybe it's actually time to do a little bit of a, you know, <laughs> purge that you have with these people because like, you know, it's not worth it. But then again, sometimes it's unavoidable, like celebratory scenarios or Christmases or whatever. Yeah. Um, just trying to stay clear of it where you can. Do you have anything that you're like kind of always telling your clients? Uh, I don't know how to work. Like, yeah. Anything that you feel like any advice that you're just constantly giving that you feel like is something that I feel like comes easily to you as like a dietitian, but for someone who isn't really involved in, I feel like the health industry, any yeah. advice that you feel like you're constantly giving that you feel like people should know? Yeah. Um, I would say that focus on the low hanging fruit. That's all I say this all the time. Like don't try and climb up the tree to get the nice, like little, you know, peach from the top, focus on the low hanging fruit. It's easy to pick, focus on your veggies, focus on the fruit, focus on your whole grains. Like don't go and get your spirulina, you know, supplements up the top. Like let's just focus on the stuff that's easy. That makes most of, you know, the change when it comes to diet and nutrition and even exercise and, and mindset, like, the simple stuff works. It works all the time. Yes, there might be areas that you can refine and get the one percenters, you know, the, the little things up the top of the tree. But more often than not, people miss the big stuff. You know, they go, okay, Alice, like, should I have oat milk or macadamia milk? I'm like, uh, like, well, are you going to have breakfast today? Like, what's going on here? You know, so <laughs> focus on the low hanging fruit, the stuff that's obvious, the stuff that's easy to change, and then get to the high hanging fruit once all the low hanging fruit's been picked off. So that's one thing I always repeat. The other Mm. thing as well is, you know, your diet and your health isn't just about what you put in your mouth. It's also how you think about food, how you perceive food, the shame, the guilt, the resentment, the the hate or whatever that comes along with food. And so if you're, you know, worried about having two pieces of chocolate, the worry about having the two pieces of chocolate is doing you worse and more harm than actually having those two pieces of chocolate. And so reminding yourself, it's not always about what you put in your mouth, but it's also about what you think about the food, which is not stress, anxiety, that stuff has an influence on your health. So just as much as it's difficult, know that like these tiny little things, like your body's not going to remember it in five years time, but your body will remember the constant guilt and shame and analyzing of what you are putting in your mouth over time. Mm. Yeah, great. In terms of if anyone was to listen to this podcast and is relating to a lot of what you're saying what's like the first step for them to get help is it going straight to someone like you as a dietitian or is it their doctor is it I mean I guess again it's very personalized but what's sort of your kind of tip on where to start if they're noticing some amber flags (laughs) so I guess um if they're just feeling like their relationship with food isn't great it depends on their resources and capacity you know sometimes and like 
full disclaimer, like not everyone has the money to see a dietitian. It's really unfortunate. Mm. And I wish it was any, I wish it was different, but even if we do have a care plan for Medicare, which is the Australian kind of health system, you still have to pay out of pocket most of the time. So if you don't have the capacity to see a dietitian, then looking into either um, exploring books podcasts, free resources that you're able to really enhance your nutrition knowledge is also really, really beneficial. The other thing as well, if there's people who trigger you or feel like make you uncomfortable when it comes to food, try your best not to associate with those people because your environment matters so much. Then if you feel like maybe it's more of an intense, you know, acute eating disorder, or you feel like it's a little bit more intense than just like struggling a little bit with food, then I would definitely go recommend to see your dietitian, uh, sorry, your GP. When you see your GP sharing with them your feelings, your thoughts around food, they might do some things like blood tests or like blood pressure. And then you might be assigned a care plan, whether that's an eating disorder care plan or enhanced primary care plan from Medicare where you do get rebates. And Mm -hmm. then reach out to a dietitian as well. You don't have to have a referral to see most dietitians, which is really nice. Um, but the care plans do help in assisting rebates as well. And, you know, when it comes to eating disorders, it takes time. Like, it's not like you see a dietitian for two sessions and you're suddenly cured. Like it takes a lot of time, which is why, you know, Medicare rebates for eating disorder care plans, 20 sessions. Like it takes mm. on average that amount of time to even see a you know, a, a, a benefit, which mm. is scary, but it's so so important because it's a mental illness it's not something that you just kind of challenge and get over it like it's a mental illness and you need to kind of stick at it like any sort of therapy psychologist it's not something you go to once and you feel better Mm. what about if you notice a family member or a friend who might have these um, eating patterns but or you know like clinically they don't look very well and you can see that they're not really helping themselves is there some sort of um, resource that as friends or people on the side can yeah. you know, use um, to yeah. help them. There's um so the Butterfly Foundation have like super cool resources on what you can do if you're a carer or if a family or friends who's worried about somebody who has an eating disorder, mm-hmm. things to say, how to approach them. Um, <clears throat> it's very hard. It's very difficult. And what I would say though is if you are worried approaching them is going to plant a seed in their mind or what it's not true like Mm. it's not true okay majority of the time the person wants help like they want help they're just scared and so showing them your love your support and offering them a you know a shoulder to cry on or an ear to listen to when they feel comfortable doing so I feel like that's the best option there if you're forcing them to talk or speak or forcing them to eat, even if they don't want to, without actually having a really kind and compassionate and loving conversation, they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. Um, So yeah, I would say that, but then going to the Butterfly Foundation, um, there's other sort of eating disorder foundations as well across Australia and the world that do offer resources on how to approach it. Um, Mm. But remembering as well that you might not be the best person either. And sometimes there are better people to approach those scenarios, depending on your relationship with them and the trust that you have with them as well. Yeah, Yeah. cool. Um, Just before we wrap things up, is there anything, I know that you had um, like an emotional eating masterclass and I know you have your gut health one coming up as well. So is there anything that you wanted to put out to everyone um, with what you've got going on? Yeah, so um, I I did an emotional eating masterclass several weeks ago. It's online um, at the moment, so you can 
gets that like the recording of it um and then in a few days time i'm doing a gut health masterclass, which is all about optimizing your gut health but also demystifying all the gut stuff that's out there that is confusing me <laughs> i just can't imagine everyone else um and yeah i'll be definitely doing masterclasses along the way um as well and we've got our podcast which is the best bits podcast which yeah um you can probably find in my bio as well and if you do want to see reach out to a dietitian if you want to have a chat you're more than welcome to book in like a free discovery call as well just to have a chat to see what it's like to see a dietitian if i can help you um but yeah all those details are on my instagram too so you can go have a look at my button too thank you thank you so much for coming on today and answering all of our questions it's been really really good listening to what you have to say my pleasure yeah, really enjoyable awesome. yeah, i've liked it <laughs> cool. um yeah no it's been amazing it's always good to hear what other dietitians have to say like I feel like we all kind of have like the same kind of thought process but it's just nice to hear the way that other people go about it and say it it's really interesting yeah it's very interesting isn't it and everyone's different every dietitian works very like differently yeah. um, and it's just gonna you just find your flow and that's why you know not all people would resonate with how I work and that's so cool it's like yeah not everyone works with the same so mm. yeah it's um it's good thank you <laughs> great well um i think we'll wrap it up there but thank you alice um sure. we'll definitely put your instagram handle and all your website and things like that in the show notes as well <laughs> but yeah i can definitely vouch for alice's work if, if people are listening to this and aren't following her definitely do that because she puts out some great content um but yeah thank you so mm. much we'll See you online, I guess, <laughs> just in the best oh, world. <laughs> Yay. Cool. Well, have a good um, day. Thank you. Thanks so much, guys, for having me on. And, yeah, let me know if you need anything or whatever. But, yeah, it's so nice to talk to you. And best of luck with the rest of your placement too. Thank, Thank you. <laughs> All right. See ya. This podcast was recorded on Gubby Gubby land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Thanks for listening to another episode. If you'd like to support us, join our Facebook group, follow our Instagram and leave the podcast a rating and review. 